that we are going to be talking about before the nations. And I want to start with a story that I heard. I actually read it in a book called Intercessory Worship by a man called Dick Eastman. And it just, it confirmed so much to me. But he, he talks about how he runs an organization called Every Home for Christ, where they go into a community and they purpose to share the gospel with every home and then invite people to a showing of the Jesus movie and then uh, obviously preach the gospel and trust that people will come to know Jesus. And they were in this particular town called Caceros in South America. And while they were there, they discovered from some of the churches there that the amount of places, uh, churches that worshipped God in comparison to the amount of places that worshipped Satan was six to one. There were six satanic worship centers for every Christian worship center. Can you all just go, whoa, you thought we had it bad in Joburg. But um, so they went into this, this environment and the first thing they did was that they sent through, through all the streets their missionaries. And these missionaries didn't go in um, immediately with the gospel. They went in just with the praise and worship of Jesus through the streets, praying and worshiping God. And what ended up happening is that after that, they sent their missionaries in to go to the, the houses and uh, invite people to the the Jesus movie, and they, they decided that they would hold their first meeting under the ombu tree. What is the ombu tree? The ombu tree was one of the sacred sites of satanic worship in that town. And they went and held their crusade there. Many people got saved, and it was a glorious moment. And then a couple of days later, a fascinating thing happened. For no known reason, this ombu tree suddenly exploded. <laughs> split down the middle, completely destroyed in smithereens for no reason. There was no lightning strike. There was absolutely no reason for this tree to be destroyed. So then, the story doesn't even end there. One of the satanic worship centers sent one of their people to go and dig up one of the roots of this ombu tree because they wanted to go and start another ombu tree somewhere else so they could continue their worship in the way they had gone. So this woman went and she was digging up the roots of this tree. And as she was digging up the roots of the tree, the roots of the tree exploded. <laughs> no known reason again. And this woman was thrown to the one side and damaged in such a way that she had to be hospitalized. The story doesn't end there. It just keeps getting better. So what did these missionaries do? They went to the hospital. And they went to this lady and they started praying for her. And they shared Jesus with her. And she ended up getting saved. That ombu tree never existed again. And that woman serves the Lord to this day. The point of the story is that they didn't go in pulling down the strongholds, shouting at the devil. They went in with the high praises of God in their mouth. Psalm 149 talks about how when we go in with the high praises of God and the, the, um, the sword of the word of his spirit, the two-edged sword in our mouth, that, that the kings and the principalities and the powers of the age are bound with fetters of iron. Places explode for no reason. Things are destroyed. And you know, I... I really understand this as a truth in my life. And Andrew and I have certainly seen it in our ministry as we've ministered and built churches around Southern Africa that you get more done through worship than you do 
through hard work, if I can say that. I mean, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with hard work, but you put in an hour of worship and people's hearts are changed, life is different, things go better. It's just a transformation of the environment. And then when you put your hand to do the work of the ministry, everything just seems to flow and just seems to go. I remember one time we were... Um, we were facing enormous difficulties as we were planting the church in Vintook, and things were not going right. Negative things were happening. Uh, it was just a real, real struggle, and we had prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting. I love prayer meetings. Let's pray at, at, on every occasion. But we, we found that although things weren't getting worse, we just weren't getting the breakthrough. Things weren't getting better. It wasn't getting easier to lead people to the Lord. Not, no more people were coming to the Lord. We were, we were struggling in certain ways. And Andrew had this brilliant idea. I feel like it was a Jesus idea they gave it to him. That the next prayer meeting we have, instead of storming the gates of hell and demanding that the devil let go those captives, we took out a guitar and we began to sing the high praises of God. We began to worship Him. We began to declare that He was Lord of Vintook, that He was Lord of every person, that He was Lord of every heart, that, that He had won in everything, that this is the way we fight our battles, by surrender to Him and lifting up His name and glorifying Him and acknowledging the great and glorious work that He has done on the cross, saying with all the saints of history that Jesus' work is enough. And you know, from that moment, everything changed. People got, started getting saved. The church grew. Finances grew. Everything was different. We started seeing miracles and signs and wonders. And just everything in the church changed. And we learned a lesson from that moment. And I, Andrew has alluded to it. I can't remember if he did it last week or the week before. That we fight by displacement. What we do is we don't try and attack the enemy at his game. We bring in Jesus. Yeah. We bring in the glory of who he is, the power of his majesty, the, the truth of his victory. And as we proclaim that, sing that, pray that, there is no battle between Jesus and darkness. There is no battle between Jesus and darkness. In that moment, darkness has to flee. Darkness has to flee. I am just also love, um, there's a, a scripture, Isaiah 42, and it describes how the people began to praise and worship God. And it says, as a result of the singing and the worship that the people brought before him, that, G that God went out like a mighty man. Like a mighty man. And I, I, just, I just see this picture, you know, you know uh, this, this army of Wakanda and all that vibranium, you know, it's just nothing on Jesus when he rises up in response to our praises and to our worship. You know, that you think of your greatest superhero, you know, the Avengers walking into a city we're going to take over now, we're going to destroy all this evil. Nothing compared to the power of God that is released when we worship him, when we worship him. I, I'm constantly reminded of this. The Bible says, that it has not even entered into the minds of men the good he has prepared for us. I want to propose to you that the, the greatest fiction, the greatest movies about powerful superheroes pale in comparison to the reality of our God. To the reality of the power and majesty and victory that is in Jesus Christ. I want to propose to you 
that as we worship Him, we unloose the energy of heaven in a way that cannot be comprehended. I want to propose to you that what we, what we lack in this nation, what you find missing in your home, is remedied as you put Jesus in His place. As you exalt Him as the greatest and most glorious Lord of all. And as he, he takes that place, everything else filters into the place that it is meant to be and designed to be. I certainly know that my husband is enjoying this message. Thank you, darling. So this, this story about the ombu tree is really something that I've, I feel like Andrew and I, to some degree, we've never had exploding trees, but we've, we've had stuff happen in response to, to God just, in response to God answering the worship and prayers of his people. But I want to prove to you that it's a biblical thing. So if you have your uh, Bibles, you can turn to Second Chronicles 20 from verse 15. And this story has been alluded to much over the past weeks, but I'm going to spend all our time in it. And it's the story of Jehoshaphat. And what has happened is Israel is surrounded by three armies. Jehoshaphat is a godly king. He's the king of Judah. And at that time, three armies have come up against Jerusalem and threatened to overtake him. What's so interesting about that is these three armies, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the people of Mount Seir, you don't need to know where these places are, but what you do need to know, which I think is so interesting, is that these three people groups were the three people groups that God said to the Israelites they were not to attack them when they came into the their promised land, that, that the land that these, these people owned, God had given to them, and Israel was to leave them alone. So it's almost like Israel had blessed them, and Israel had been good to them. And the very people who should have been saying to Israel, thank you for leaving us our land. Thank you for blessing us. Let's live in coexistence, worshiping the one true God. It was these very people that turned against their cousins, so to speak, and said, thank you, God, for our land, but we want your land too. And so these three nations are surrounding Israel, and uh, the people are despairing and Jehoshaphat goes and he prays this great prayer and he says, God, this is such a terrible situation, but nonetheless, our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. And we pick up the story in verse 15. So Jehaziel, who was a prophet at that time and one of the Levites and one of the leaders in worship, said this. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the path of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Good for you. We don't know those places, but... You will not have to fight this battle, he says. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Moving on, jump, jumping a little bit down to verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his loving church forever. 
As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Those are the battles you want. Verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. I want to prophesy into your situation right now. As, as you lift up Jesus, as you make your life a place of worship to him, that the battles that surround you, you will not have to even fight, but you will stand in those places in a place of victory by virtue of the one who has gone before you and made a way. I want to propose to you that these very circumstances that have stood against you, have been negative in your life, have threatened to rob you of your peace, of your prosperity, of your relationships. These very circumstances must turn around and bless you. I want to propose to you that you do not even have enough space in your life right now to receive the blessing that is coming from this battle and this victory that Jesus will, will win through you. I want to propose this to you. I want to propose this to you, that as you stand firm in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as you refuse to bow to the idols around you, as you refuse to give in to the fear that these circumstances threaten to throw at you, I want to propose to you this. That there is blessing coming upon you that you have not even made enough room for. And I want to say to you, prepare the places of harvest. Prepare your, enlarge your tents. Enlarge your ability to hold the blessings of God. Enlarge your expectation because there is a God on the throne who has really done it. He has done it already. He is not afraid. He is not ashamed. He is not intimidated. He's not a court of God, but he is waiting for his people to stand up with one voice and declare him king and Lord over those circumstances so that he can show you who he is. So that he can show you who he is. Amen and amen. Yes, give the Lord a hand. It is so great. This is the God we serve. This is the unbeatable Jesus. This is the conquering king. And these are not just stories. This is truth. This is revelation. I challenge you to believe it. I challenge you to stand in it. I challenge you to attempt a new way of warfare. I challenge, I challenge you to be Jesus lovers above all things. To lift up his name in everything. No matter what circumstance you face, his name is the first one out of your lips. You know, story after story after story is just coming to my mind. Story after story. And you know, I, I hesitate to even share them with you from this perspective that I don't know how I won in those circumstances. Because it's almost like the, the challenges and the difficulties and the hardships just disappeared in front of me. It's just like 
in worship just keep walking and the, the mountains and the valleys and the, the armies in front of you that look so fierce and terrible as you just keep on walking, they just dissolve into mist as you get there. Almost like a figment of the devil's imagination that he tries to throw at you to stop you from doing the things that God has called you to. In fact, those very circumstances in front of you will destroy themselves as you walk on level ground into the victory and the inheritance that is yours. Our God is a conquering God, a glorious God. Everybody worships something. Everybody worships something. Human beings were designed to worship. Every culture on this earth, from the coldest tundras of Siberia to the deserts of Africa, to the, from the east to the west, from the north to the south, every people group without fail has invented religion. They've invented idols to worship. They've invented structures to, to give vent to this desire in every heart of the, every man and woman and child to worship something. We are all looking for a good, a good, great, powerful, supernatural being that explains our existence. Inside every human heart, there, has, there is created within us the desire to worship God. And throughout history, we have, we have created false gods because we refuse to, to accept that there is a God who is good as he says he is, a God who is as awesome and as powerful and as demanding of obedience as he says he is. And so we invent smaller, lesser gods that somehow we can get our mind around. Somehow we can contain them. Somehow, somehow we can control them and we worship them. And you know, you, you think of some, some unevangelized tribe in the middle of a jungle lost somewhere and you think, gosh, those guys really worship idols. But, but at the heart of every human being, if you're not worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping something. Yeah. And part of this sermon series is to grab your heart and say, there's only one worthy of your adoration. There's only one worthy of the surrender of your life. Your goods and materialism don't warrant the level of sacrifice that we give them. This, the search for prestige and and. Ah, self-preservation don't warrant us surrendering all our lives for, for them. But there is one above all else who warrants the complete and absolute surrender of our lives, deserves all our worship. Why? Because for a start, he is glorious, magnificent, incredible, beyond anything you can ever imagine. For a second, he is so loving and self-giving that he sacrificed everything for you. And next, a completely selfish reason. Worship of him puts everything in its place. Worship of him makes everything work. This entire creation was designed to function in an atmosphere of worship towards him. Here's the wild thing about our worship is that 
the things we worship tend to recreate us in their image, tend to mold us into their image. Just think of the heroes of this world, the the man-made idols and people of this world and how cultures begin to imitate them, wear their clothes, look like them. What would happen? What would happen if Jesus was alone the center of our worship? And as we worshiped him, we began to be conformed into his image, molded into who he was. We began to talk like him, walk like him, dress like him, act like him. What would happen to this world if if we carried that presence, if we carried the nature of Jesus wherever we went, if people looked at us and could see Jesus, if their interface with us and their interface with with our lives caused the revelation of Jesus to come into their circumstances, what would that be like? There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 and it says this, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. That's what worship is. It's standing before Jesus with an unveiled face. In other words, with no pretensions, with no facades, with no uh, trying to be more than you are or trying to be less than you are. It's standing before Jesus and saying, here I am just just as I am, with all my warts, with all my problems, with all my joys, with all my insecurities, here I am just as I am. And I'm looking you square in the face and I'm saying you're worthy of everything. And in so doing, the Bible promises us that a transformation happens. That we no longer stand as just mere humans in his presence, but that his presence begins to invade us and transform us from the inside out. And we become more than just a human being. We become a human being inhabited by the presence of God. This is how we fight our battles. TK, what a great music set this morning. I thought, I don't even have to preach a sermon. We can just sing that all over again. God wants worship of himself to cover the earth. God wants worship of himself to cover the earth, not because he's selfish, but because he knows that that is the very best thing for you. Because, like I said, every human worships something. And if God is not being worshipped, then something else is being worshipped, and that is an inferior thing to God, and it is creating death and destruction in that environment. So unless God is the center of human worship, there is sickness, disease, poverty, calamity, disaster. But when God is exalted, life, truth, and blessing come. And if you look at at the problems of our nation, the problems of your family, every single one of them can be traced to that same source. Jesus is not Lord in some way in that place. God wants the worship of himself. Filling every home, every street, every institution, every nation, every place. This this glorious sound from all the nations 
of worship to Yahweh in every tongue, in it, with every culture, in every people wearing every dress, just, just this glorious mixture of every kind of person saying, God, you're good and your love endures forever. Acts 15, 16 to 18 says this. Andrew also alluded it, but so worth retelling. What they are doing, it's, it's something called the Jerusalem Council, and they are really deciding where the Gentiles, you and me, can be part of the kingdom. They're deciding whether they're going to let people who aren't Jews into the kingdom. Praise God, they came to the right conclusion, and here we sit, serving Jesus. But one of the things that convinced them that every nation had a part in the kingdom was the scripture that they're quoting from Amos, from one of the prophets of old. And it says, after this, talking about the last days, I, God, will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things. Is that where far as I went? Yes. I will restore the fall and rebuild David's fallen tent and its ruins I will restore. And what he was talking about, as Andrew has shared in past sermons, is that there was a time when David, so enamored of Jesus, so enamored of the glory where he didn't know it was Jesus, he just knew it was God, and so enamored of who God was, so wanting to worship him, kind of broke tradition. And he went and made a tent outside Jerusalem and brought the Ark of the Covenant there. And he brought the Levites who were the people who were meant to do the sacrifices before God and were the priests of the time. And he divided them into 24 groups. And every hour on the hour, these Levites came in, changed, shift, and 24 hours every day Year after year after year, there was constant praise and worship, musical praise and worship, sacrifices and, and singing glory to Jesus before the ark of his presence. And the scripture is saying that, that that's actually what God had designed all along for every person. That the world would be filled with worship to him 24-7 all the time. That, that his heart was that every nation, every people group, there would, be no, there would be no barrier for people coming into his presence and to sing worship and praises to him. And as these apostles at the time are wrestling with this concept, who's in and who's out, they remember the scripture. And they remember how, how God loved no restrictions for anyone coming into his presence. And they realized that the point of Jesus was not just to bring salvation to the Jews, but that every man, woman, and child would have access to his presence. And this was going to become like a restoration of David's tent, that we would then carry the praise and worship of God 24-7 throughout the, wor the world as temples of his presence singing out the glories of who he was wherever we go, declaring his praises in every circumstance, that God was going to fill the world with his worship, worship of him through you and through me.
John Piper says this. I love it. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Isaiah 45 from verse 22 says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. This scripture quoted twice in the New Testament by Paul, is a, a, he, he talks about how this is Jesus, that the ultimate goal of all of history is that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of my Father. That worship to Yahweh through Jesus by human beings will fill the earth. That the airwaves of this world will be filled by a constant chorus of the glories of Jesus in every place. That in your workplace, on the tongues of every person, will be the refrain, Jesus is Lord. The Lord, he is good and his mercy endures forever. In your family, the constant refrain, Jesus is Lord. God is good. His mercies endure forever. I want to propose to you in the highest corridors of the places of power of nations that there will be a refrain, Jesus is Lord. God is good and his mercy endures forever. I want to propose to you that God has decreed it. God has said it. God has made a way for it and will not stop until it is true. And then I propose to you that we have the glorious privilege of carrying that reality. And that as we go into our worlds with those praises, that worship has the power to turn the hearts of men and women, to change environments, to cause the enemy's armies to flee, to bring destruction to poverty, hatred, disease, to create environments where earth looks like heaven. I want to be there. And my last point is this, worship of God puts everything in its right place. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, you are wholly enthroned. In the praises of Israel, a, a Japanese translation of that particular verse says, when God's people praise him, he pulls up a chair and sits down in it. That when we praise God, it pl- creates a place of his presence. And I... I want to say this to you, that there is no fight between God and the devil. You understand this? The devil is one of God's created angels. You know, it's not like he even has the minutest fraction of God's power. So when God sits down in a place, then God sits down in a place. (laughs) And there is nothing else. Then all you will say about that place is God is here. There will be no other description. 
Ephesians 3:14 and 15, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. When God is in the throne, when dad is home, when dad is home, everyone knows who they are and what they're supposed to do. Everyone derives their name, their identity, their understanding of who they are. When, when God comes home, when God takes possession of his earth, of your family, of your workplace, of your environment, everything comes into its right created order because dad's home and people know who they are and they know what they're supposed to do. Dick Eastman in the book I alluded to at the beginning, Intercessory Prayer says this, worship provides a place for God to dwell on earth in all his fullness. And in conclusion, God wants worship of himself to cover the earth because worship of God puts everything in its right place. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that you made it so easy You made it so gloriously easy for stuff to happen. Lord God, we want to be those people that bring your kingdom, Lord God. We want to be more than just human beings trying to make it through this life. Lord, I want to prophesy over every life right now that you are more than just a, a human being trying to make it through this life. That you are a bringer of a new reality. That your words, your worship, your action, your life opens doors for God's presence to move. Opens doors for minds to change, for hearts to be transformed. Lord, I ask right now for every heart. I'm going to ask if everyone would raise their hands right now. Just humor me for a moment. Lord, I want to ask right now that every person here would get a revelation of Jesus that is so much beyond anything they've had before, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would break through the walls of complacency, deception, small thinking in every heart right now. And you would bring the revelation of Jesus front and central central with unveiled faces. We desire to gaze upon you, Lord God. I pray that for myself too, Lord God. No more barriers. No more barriers. No more barriers. Lord God, us and you, Lord God, we want to, we want to look into your face. We want to stare into your glory. We want to be transformed by what we see. We, we want everything you are and everything you, you exemplify, all your nature, your values in us, through us, Lord God. We, Father God, we don't even know what we don't know. We don't even know what to pray. Lord God, help us. Our eyes are on you. Come and change us now. Change us now. Lord God, where we, where we have just been going through the motions, Lord God, would you destroy that? Lord God, ignite in us a passion, a passion that cannot be stopped, a flame that will not be quenched. Lord God, a a vibrancy, a life, a determination, a joy, a peace, a transcendent quality, Lord God, that, that is so much more than anything we've expected, Lord God. We want more than we've ever asked for, Lord God, because we know this. We've asked too small. Lord God, every prayer that we've ever prayed has been less than you want to give us. And Lord God, we want that. We want what you want. Lord God, we we surrender all our desires to you and you say, come and do what you want to do. Be Lord, be King, be magnified, be glorious, be, be the one 
be the object of our worship, Lord God. Anything that stands in the place of our worship to you, Lord God, whatever that is, would you show us, Lord God, and when you grace us to put it to the one side and exalt you. Because when you're on the throne, everything is in place. When dad's home, everything is right. Everything is whole. Everything is complete. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you just, I know some of you may not understand this, but can you just take a deep breath and breathe Jesus in? What in essence you're doing is you're saying, Lord, I believe you here and I accept you and I take in all that you are. Thank you, Lord. We receive you. We receive you. presence fill you. If this is the first time in your church, this church, you may not understand that language, but all I'm asking you to do is relax and believe that he's true. In your heart, in your mind, there are places of suspicion or cynicism to just let those go and say, God, I'm taking a chance on you. I'm taking a chance on you taking a chance on you. Thank you, Lord. 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 So just keep receiving from Him, but I want to pray one other thing while you're doing that. Is there's anyone here and you, if you're honest with yourself, you would have to admit that that Jesus hasn't been Lord of your life. And there are many of you here that you've been Christians for a long time. And, you know, you might be realizing places where Jesus isn't Lord. But to the best of your ability, you've been making Jesus Lord. But there are some of you here where, if you're honest with yourself, going to church has just been a a duty. Tick that box. And and really, Jesus hasn't been in charge of your life. and, And you haven't been trusting in Him for your future. You've been trusting in your own efforts for your future. You've been trusting to, to build something for yourself, but you suddenly realize that, gosh, you've been, you've been aiming too small and you, you want what God has for you, not what you've been trying to build for yourself. And if that's you and you want to make a change in your life, if that's you, won't you just raise your hand where you are because I want to, I want to pray with you. Is there anyone who would like to do that, to make that change? Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to make that change? Just raise your hand high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, can we all stand together? And those of you who raised your hands, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Church, perhaps we could all just pray it in support of them. But those of you who raised your hands, won't you just follow me in this prayer? Lord Jesus, I come to you and I give you my life. Lord, I surrender the control of running my life by myself and I give it to you. Lord, I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I ask that you would come and save me. Lord God, I trust in the work you did on the cross and I set myself free from trusting in my own effort. I choose you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to, yeah, give the Lord a hand.
Those of you who raised your hands as a way of just acknowledging acknowledging this as your first step of saying Jesus is in charge of everything I'm going to ask you to make some kind of a public show before everyone and that's I'm not going to ask you to say anything all I'm going to ask you to is come out of your seats and come here to the front we have some people waiting here to receive you so those of you who raised your hand won't you just come out of your seats and come forward there we go give them a hand come on out come on out Just come and stand in front of one of these great people that are waiting to receive you. Come on forward, come on forward. Can we just extend our hands to these people? Lord Jesus, we just receive these into our home, Lord God. We acknowledge them. We acknowledge them as part of the home, Lord God. We receive them. We bless them. Holy Spirit, would you fill them? Lord God, thank you for their courage in coming forward, Lord God. Thank you for their courage in coming forward. We bless them right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well done, you great people. So proud of you. You are going to go with Pastor with Cling over here. She has just some things she's going to give to you quickly. So I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind following Kling. She's just got some material she wants to give you, get you started. These great friends of you, yours that are with you, will be here to meet you afterwards and perhaps prophesy over you, so don't run away. But if you could just head out with Kling. Give them a hand as they go, church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. Lord God, thank you for this great church. Look at the glory of God on all of you. It's just shining like the sun. Um, I'm going to invite you to not rush off, but if, if you need prayer for anything, there is this great ministry team that is here to pray for you. I believe, I believe specifically that there are people here, either you or your family, someone in your family is battling or just got a diagnosis of cancer. I feel like God wants to break that curse right now and, and set you free. So if that's you, please come up while these people will pray for you. I also saw some people battling with addictions. Uh, it's either you or someone in your family, and I feel like God wants to do a supernatural work. I, I feel like sometimes we, we have to work our way out of addictions, but sometimes God just does a miracle just does a miracle and if if that's you or you know someone battling with that and you want to stand for them and have them pray for you on their behalf please come forward we believe in that we believe that God can stretch over time and space to reach people so please come forward and let's believe for those victories because the cross really did accomplish everything amen and amen otherwise um, please don't rush off have coffee with someone don't forget tonight we're going to do this all over again five Five o'clock, not in this venue, um, at 182, I believe. Uh, Hole in One Avenue, just down the road. If you're having problems, please message one of the leaders and they will help you get there. God bless you. Have a really great week. Amen and amen and amen.